Section 3 of the Watergate Report, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 3. Chapter 6 the 1972 presidential campaign of senator hubert h humphrey part three f use of the chestnut law firm trust account presidential campaign expenses were also paid by checks written on the minnesota bank account of a trust maintained by the incorporated law firm of humphrey's campaign manager jack chestnut for example trust account funds were used to make a twenty five thousand dollar payment to valentine sherman associates for computer work for the humphrey presidential campaign these expenditures were funded in january of nineteen seventy two by a one hundred thousand dollar check deposited to the chestnut trust account and drawn on the personal checking account of the humphrey organization treasurer paul thatcher chestnut then paid presidential campaign expenses by drawing checks on this law firm trust account a few weeks later on january thirty first nineteen seventy two the chestnut trust account issued a check for one hundred thousand dollars to thatcher individually apparently in repayment of what appears to have been a one hundred thousand dollar loan to the campaign g backers of humphrey committee jackson and company the chestnut law firm trust account was enabled to make this repayment to thatcher because of the receipt of a one hundred thousand dollar check on the same day january thirty first nineteen seventy two from backers of humphrey a humphrey campaign committee which had just been constituted that month and which appears to have been a major pre-april seventh nineteen seventy two committee backers was organized in minnesota its officers and candidate were from minnesota and it banked in minnesota however it supported a candidate for national office its officers chestnut and thatcher were the national campaign officers and it both received contributions from outside the state and expended money outside the state for national campaign purposes it had a maximum bank balance of a hundred and one thousand dollars total deposits of six hundred and seventy four thousand sixty three dollars and was closed on april twelfth nineteen seventy two it was undoubtedly the committee which received the greatest infusion of funds before april seventh nineteen seventy two four hundred and seventy one thousand seven hundred and twenty five dollars of the receipts of backers of humphrey were transferred from jackson and company a partnership established by the campaign primarily to process the sale of stock contributions h archer daniels midland shares contributed the humphrey blind trust the predominant portion of funds transferred to backers of humphrey from jackson and company came from the sale of shares in archer daniels midland company adm the firm headed by duane andres these shares were aggregated from the donation of duane andres sandra a mcmurtry andres daughter doris hastings an andres friend in florida and the humphrey blind trust created in nineteen sixty five and for which andres served as trustee the total number of shares thus contributed to jackson and company in december of nineteen seventy one was ten thousand five hundred three thousand shares from mcmurtry and twenty five hundred shares from each of the others the stock was sold between january seventeenth and twenty fourth nineteen seventy two at around thirty five dollars per share to produce a total net receipt of three hundred and sixty two thousand forty six dollars and thirty cents 
thus andres and hastings each donated about eighty six thousand dollars mcmurtry about a hundred and four thousand dollars and senator humphrey's blind trust about eighty six thousand dollars in three installments a hundred and fifty thousand dollars on january thirty first nineteen seventy two forty thousand on february fourth nineteen seventy two and a hundred and sixty six thousand eight hundred on february tenth nineteen seventy two jackson and company transferred three hundred and fifty six thousand eight hundred dollars to backers of humphrey soon thereafter backers transferred eighty thousand dollars to a humphrey for president account in the national bank of washington d c fifty thousand dollars on january thirty first nineteen seventy two and thirty thousand dollars on february sixteenth nineteen seventy two at least to this extent backers of humphrey appears to have been serving as a conduit for the washington d c committee the humphrey blind trust transferred an additional twenty three thousand dollars to the humphrey campaign in february of nineteen seventy two this sum came from funds on deposit in a savings account of interata and company a limited partnership acting as nominee or agent for the trust at the direction of duane andres interata and company issued its check for twenty three thousand dollars to backers of humphrey on february fifteenth nineteen seventy two one affidavits of andres hastings mcmurtry Andres, Hastings, and McMurtry have submitted affidavits concerning their individual contributions, and Andres has submitted an affidavit in his capacity as trustee for Senator Humphrey. The individuals' affidavits are in virtually identical language. They each state that the affiant donated Archer Daniels Midland stock to the Humphrey campaign in December of 1971, and that it was delivered to Jackson and Company as agent for the purpose of converting it to cash and distributing the proceeds as directed by various Humphrey committees. The affidavits recite that the ADM stock was contributed voluntarily, was a part of the affiance of personal estate, and that the affiance did not act in the name of or as conduits for any other party. The affidavits of Hastings, McMurtry, and Andres, as an individual, do not deal with such questions as how the ADM stock was acquired by Hastings and McMurtry, how they came to make virtually identical, substantial, and almost simultaneous contributions, the role of Archer Daniels Midland in these events, or the role of Andres with respect to the Hastings and McMurtry contributions, to whom or which committee they understood the contribution would go, whether Section 608 or gift tax laws were considered, and if so, how. Andres' affidavit, as trustee for Senator Humphrey, avers that the trust was established by Senator Humphrey and was funded by his personal assets in which no other person had any interest. Continuing, he states that in December of 1971, Senator Humphrey requested that appropriate distributions be made from the assets of the trust for the benefit of his campaign. So Andres delivered 2,500 shares of ADM stock to Jackson and Company as agent for the purpose of converting the stock to cash and distributing the proceeds to various Humphrey committees. Andres states that the stock was part of the trust's assets and that he did not act in the name of any party except as trustee for Senator Humphrey. In February of 1972, again as trustee for Humphrey, Andres distributed $23,000 to the Humphrey campaign from funds on deposit in a savings account in the name of Interata and Company, acting as nominee or agent for the trust. Andres avers that the $23,000 was part of the trust's assets and the property of Senator Humphrey by virtue of his beneficial interest in the trust. 
in response to a committee request for data concerning additions to the trust of senator humphrey during 1971 and 1972 senator humphrey's attorney provided affidavits from accountants who have reviewed relevant financial records which showed that the only additions to the trust came from senator humphrey's own funds as previously noted senator humphrey or his trustee appears to have paid gift tax on these political contributions senator humphrey's attorney has advised the committee that the gift tax was paid out of an abundance of caution as to the relevance of section 608 that statute has never been construed by the courts and in any event the committee is aware of no authority that it has any applicability to a candidate's contribution to or expenditure for his own campaign j chestnut interviews when subpoenaed to testify under oath on april eleventh nineteen seventy four humphrey's campaign manager jack chestnut invoked his fifth amendment privilege against self-incrimination and refused to testify when he had been interviewed without oath on october eighteenth nineteen seventy three before most of the above information was developed by this committee he said he had no knowledge of any donors who desired anonymity nor of any contribution of one thousand dollars or more by a third party so as to protect the identity of the true donor he stated then that the humphrey campaign public disclosure of contributors did not withhold the identity of any persons who had asked for anonymity chestnut told the committee staff he could not be sure of the identity of any minneapolis bank depositories for the humphrey campaign in fact he had been an authorized signator on the minneapolis bank accounts of the bankers of humphrey committee humphrey volunteer committee friends of humphrey committee telephone account and humphrey for senator committee as well as the treasurer for this last committee and he made no mention of the use of his own law firm trust account as campaign depository k investigative delays the documentary evidence concerning the large contributors to the humphrey campaign in early nineteen seventy two was pieced together from an examination of the records of numerous bank accounts uncovered as a result of a staff examination of the records of valentine sherman associates a minneapolis firm specializing in computer services for political campaigns the firm had received corporate contributions for the benefit of the humphrey campaign account this discovery of the bank accounts and the acquisition of records was not accomplished until well into nineteen seventy four many delays were encountered in production of records in compliance with subpoenas after tentative agreement in conference with the donors council he took more than four weeks to furnish the identities of andres hastings and mcmurtry along with their affidavits chestnut's refusal to testify under oath when subpoenaed on april eleventh nineteen seventy four prevented the staff from obtaining a full explanation of the campaign's solicitation and handling of these donations as explained in section one above in response to a committee request senator humphrey declined to meet with a member of the committee for interview a committee letter to senator humphrey's administrative assistant dated april seventeenth nineteen seventy four asked for the production of various categories of documents one of which was communications with jack chestnut paul thatcher and duane andres in regard to the presidential campaign this letter was answered on may twenty third but certain documents requested have still not been produced l destruction of financial records virtually all of the humphrey campaign pre april seventh financial records were destroyed by chestnut in the summer of nineteen seventy two 
there was no legal obligation to retain campaign financial records under the law existing before april seventh nineteen seventy two however such wholesale destruction necessarily raises a question of motive and propriety as expanded upon by chairman irvin in exchange with maurice stans senator irvin in other words you decided that the right of the contributors to have their contributions concealed was superior to the right of the american citizens to know who was making contributions to influence the election of the president of the united states mr stans we did not evaluate it in those terms we evaluated it in the terms that it was the congress of the united states in nineteen twenty five that gave the option to a contributor to remain anonymous and that we had no right to give away his anonymity senator irvin well mr stans do you not think that men who have been honored by the american people as you have ought to have their course of action guided by ethical principles which are superior to the minimum requirements of the criminal laws mr stans i do not have any quarrel with that but there is an ethical question in whether or not i can take your money as a contributor with an understanding on your part that you are entitled to privacy in that contribution and then go around and release the figure to the public senator irvin well all the law said as you construe it as your counsel construed it was that you did not have to make a public reporting of these contributions the law did not require you to destroy the records of those contributions did it mr stans mr chairman the law did not even go that far the law did not even require us to keep any records during that period of time on the advice of my attorney senator irvin but the law did require you to destroy the records you did keep mr stans no of course not that would be a silly proposition senator irvin well do you think that men who exercise great political power as you exercised it and as a former attorney general of the united states was exercising it and as other people engaged in this committee work that they ought to disregard ethical principles and say they have fulfilled their full duty to the american people as long as they keep on the windy side of the law mr stans senator i haven't said that and i would not say it i am saying that i think we have to balance one ethical principle against another the right of privacy of an individual as against the right of the public to know the congress has recognized that there is a problem that is why it passed a new law there is no reason that i know of why we should have anticipated the date that law was effective the congress mr chairman gave us sixty days after the law was effective to operate under the old law m perspective and disposition the desire of wealthy political contributors to remain anonymous has long been recognized as reasonable and justifiable however the public right to know has been gaining ascendancy over the individual's right to privacy in this respect a statutory limitation on the amount of an individual contribution as well as on a candidate's use of personal funds and stringent reporting requirements undoubtedly have value in reducing the potential for subtle and surreptitious abuses on april eleventh nineteen seventy four the united states senate passed and sent to the house of representatives s thirty forty four an act known as the federal election campaign act amendments of nineteen seventy four by continuing in effect the fifty thousand dollar limitation on the use of a presidential candidate's personal funds which first became effective on april seventh nineteen seventy two 
s thirty forty four expresses the judgment of the senate that the use of personal funds in greater amounts might provide a breeding ground for abuse moreover this new act will require any loan or advance from a candidate's personal funds to be evidenced by a written instrument fully disclosing the terms and conditions while the federal election campaign act of nineteen seventy one which became effective april seventh nineteen seventy two did not include any limitation on the amount which could be given to a candidate's campaign other than from the candidate's own funds and earlier statutes had no effective limitations at all section three o four of s thirty forty four will prohibit contributions to a campaign in excess of three thousand dollars it will also be a violation for a candidate to knowingly accept a contribution which when added to the sum of all other contributions from that donor exceeds three thousand dollars again the senate has thus expressed a collective judgment that these limitations will serve some useful purpose in eliminating various kinds of abuses which can be inherent in a candidate's acceptance of larger contributions from any one individual End of section three.